Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Fantastic job again, guys. Praise the Lord. I wanted to, to, to bring something to your attention before I begin this one. A, cu- a couple of things related to some specific prayer needs. Um, I wanted to ask you guys to pray for Brad Thompson. If you know Brad at Callaway Baptist, Brad's a good friend of mine and, and, and doing just some fantastic things. His mother is in ICU, not doing well at all. Uh, many of you know the story there. And then his um, half-sister, who's Billy Thompson's daughter, uh, was found dead this weekend, 50 years old. So it's a very difficult time for their family. And I, I just, I want you to pray for Brad because he's going to get up to preach here in just a while. I'm assuming he's going to preach this morning. I haven't talked to him, but having been through that this weekend with him, I, I just want you to pray for him because uh, I know that must be incredibly difficult for him and, and the struggle that he's been through. And, and so I just want to pray for him and for Callaway Baptist. And I would ask you to pray for me and our family as well. Uh, we got some pretty bad news Thursday night about Amy's father. Uh, he'd been struggling with some pain for several weeks, and they took him to the ER, and it turns out he's got cancer. Uh, it spread uh, pretty much throughout at this point, and, and we don't have a very good prognosis. And so um, I was planning on leading our team to Nepal today and being gone for about 10 days, and I've backed out of that trip so I could be with her and her family for these next couple of weeks, and we would just really appreciate your prayers. We don't know anything yet. We're still kind of waiting on some test results. and. Uh, kind of ministering to uh, Amy's mom and that family, but your prayers will be greatly appreciated there as well. I'm going to pray for us now, and we're going to begin. Father, we uh, know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Father. We know that you are in control of all situations, and and yet sometimes, Father, we are um, confused and, and don't fully understand your will. It's difficult for us sometimes. Lord, as we struggle, I know so many in here have, have faced struggles or are going through struggles now, Father. I pray right now specifically for Brad and for Callaway, Lord. I know that that's a church that's growing and doing their best uh, to reach uh, the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're sending teams to the nations now. Lord, I pray specifically for Brad this morning as he opens up the truth of your word. Guard his heart, Father. Give him comfort and peace. Be with that church as they love him and minister to him and surround him, Father. And, and I just pray great things from his sermon this morning, not out of his own strength, but out of the strength of the Spirit living through him. Lord, when we're, when we're weak, the Bible tells us that your strength is made perfect in us. And I pray that, Lord, for him this morning. I pray that for me now. Lord, I pray that as I preach this morning that you would just undergird me with your strength, Father, that people wouldn't hear my voice, but they would hear the voice of your word, Lord, that you would literally hide me behind the cross, Lord, and they would see Jesus. I pray you would challenge us in our walk, challenge us in our faith. Father, I pray that we would be obedient to the teachings of your word. And Lord, as I pray every Sunday morning, I pray, Lord, we'd be changed, molded, shaped, transformed more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and open to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. 
We are continuing our study this morning in our sermon series that we have entitled From Ordinary to Extraordinary. It's a study through the book of Acts. And we're calling it that. If you're new this morning or haven't been in a few weeks, we're calling it Ordinary to Extraordinary because the whole story of the book of Acts is about taking ordinary, normal, run-of-the-mill people and through the power of the Spirit doing extraordinary things through them. And so our calling as we study through this as it should always be, is to understand the truth of God's Word and then to figure out how this applies to me. Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me? What areas of my life need to be changed and molded and shaped? How, Lord, can I do extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? That ought to be our goal. That ought to be our challenge. That ought to be the question that we ask ourselves on a regular basis. So last week we were in uh, Acts chapter 10. We studied the story of Cornelius and Peter. And just to kind of recap very quickly before we jump in now to Acts 11, Peter has this vision. We told you last week that up until this point, the gospel had been presented to the Jewish people only. Peter has this vision of a sheet kind of coming down from heaven. It's filled with different sorts of animals, and the Lord speaks to Peter. Hey, Peter, go and eat this. And Peter says, listen, it's unclean. I can't eat this. And then through the revelation of the Spirit, Peter is shown that the meaning of this vision, the meaning of what he's seeing, is that the Gentiles, which are non-Jews, would be presented with the gospel. So what the Lord basically says to Peter is, listen, you've been talking to Jewish people only, but my gospel, the Lord says, is for everybody, not just for the Jewish people. And so that marks a a, a shift. It's a real change in what's going on in Acts. It's a different direction now as the people of Acts, uh, the leaders in the church are going to begin to kind of now move away from exclusively teaching to the Jewish people. Now they're going to move and begin to teach to the Gentile people. And so with that in mind, we look now to Acts 11. We've kind of changed directions. We're going to continue to preach to the Jewish people. But in addition to the Jews, we're going to preach to the Gentiles. Acts 11 is kind of a marked change for us. If you're kind of keeping track of big picture, things are going to begin to change now, beginning in Acts 11. So here's what I want to do. I want to summarize the first 18 verses because Peter is basically going to go to the leaders in Jerusalem. He's going to tell them the vision he had, and he's going to say to them, listen guys, we've been preaching to the Jewish people. We've been focused on the synagogues and the temples. Now the Lord has shown us we can tell the other people, the Gentiles, about Christ as well. So verse 18, let's pull it up. We're going to start in Acts eleven eighteen. This is after Paul, this is after Peter has explained to these people his vision. He showed them what the Lord has shown to them. These are the leaders in Jerusalem. Verse 18 of Acts 11, when they, these are the leaders, heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Right? So Peter, we acknowledge this vision. We acknowledge what the Lord's telling you. We understand now that the Gentiles can also be granted repentance. The Gentiles can also come to know Christ. And by the way, for those of you that want to kind of connect the dots, praise the Lord because we're all Gentiles. You, you, under, you grasp kind of the importance of what we're saying here? Uh, had it not been for this vision and the understanding that Peter had and his desire to do this, the gospel would not have gone out to the Gentiles. Which if you kind of fast forward a few thousand years, we would not be believers because nobody would have ever shared with us. 
And so we see this turn now in Acts chapter 10, 11. Gentiles are going to begin to receive the word. It's now verse 19 and following. That's going to be our focal passage this morning. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Now pause for just a second. Right, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is reminding us of Stephen in chapter 7 of Acts. Remember, Stephen is the first martyr. He's stoned because of his faith. After he's killed, the persecution breaks out. All the believers are scattered to various parts of the world. So now those that were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Now, if you're taking notes, that word Antioch is important. We're going to talk a lot about the church at Antioch this morning uh, because it's, a, it's an important kind of concept, an important place that the Lord wants to use, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. So, right, they scattered out. Now, just follow what's going on. Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word still to no one except the Jews. So they're only talking to Jewish people at this point. Now, verse 20 is, is a, a, a pivotal verse for us. But there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. These are the non-Jews, right? So they kind of get the vision. They understand that other people involved, they're going to speak to the Hellenists. And what are they going to do? They're going to preach the Lord Jesus. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now Saul has been converted. This is before he's starting his ministry. So Barnabas goes and he finds Saul, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church, taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Verse 27, now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now we're going to stop there this morning. We're going to really kind of work through this passage of Scripture. And I want you to know this morning about the church at Antioch. Antioch was a big city, right? We think about first century and we think oftentimes of kind of small outposts, little villages, small numbers of people. But Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, wrote a lot of history about the Jewish people and the Roman people especially, tells us that Antioch, behind Rome and Alexandria, was kind of the third largest city in the region. Right, Rome is about a million people in the first century. Antioch, probably about a half a million people. Very strategic, very important, very large city. And it's in Antioch, this is important now, that the first Gentile church is formed. In fact, it's in Antioch that the followers of Christ are first known as Christians. 
And, and so we kind of see this model of Antioch, and there are other places in the New Testament that mention Antioch, especially in the book of Acts. But we see Antioch as this important church, this healthy church, kind of this first church that the Lord wants us to see and understand. And so I want to kind of pose the question to you, and then I want to answer it based on the truth of Scripture. What is a healthy church? What is a healthy church? Because there are lots of books and lots of opinions and lots of thoughts and lots of different ways of doing church that we can find in America and all over the world. But it doesn't really matter to us what other people do. What ought to matter to us is the truth of God's Word. And so we want to examine this morning, based on Antioch, what a healthy church looks like how that ought to apply to our lives in the way that we live. And so I'm going to give you four kind of truths based this morning on Acts 11 that indicate to us what a healthy church ought to look like, what it ought to be. And as we're doing that, this is the application for us, we ought to be asking ourselves the question, listen, is this Rosemont? Or are we meeting the standards of Scripture? When we look at a healthy church, and this is how the Lord explains and defines a healthy church, are we doing these things? If not, why not? And if not, what do we, mean, what do we need to do differently so that we consider ourselves a healthy church? Because what we don't want to be is an unhealthy church in the eyes of the Lord. But we want to follow His will. We want to follow His Word. We want to make decisions at Rosemont based not on our opinions, not on my opinions, based on God's Word. So I'm going to give you some clear indications this morning scripturally of what a church ought to look like. Here's the first one, number one. In a healthy church, growth is evident. In a healthy church, we ought to see growth. Now I want to explain what that means because there's kind of two areas we'll get to in just a second. Let me just remind you of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I've used this verse over and over and over again. I've said it's kind of like the thesis, the main idea of the book of Acts. It kind of gives us our direction. It's kind of the drive from which everything else comes from. But Acts 1.8, when the Lord is about to ascend into heaven, he's speaking to his disciples. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, or the end of the earth, right? So there, there's this sense kind of built into Acts 1.8. Listen, you need to reach the people here first. You also need to reach the people in Judea, Samaria, which was more of a regional idea. And then you need to eventually reach all the people of the world. So, so kind of built into the DNA of the church, based on the teachings of Christ from the beginning, is this idea that through the power of the Spirit, the church should be growing, reaching people, changing lives. And so what we see all through Acts, and this has been one of the interesting things to me as I've studied through this again and as I read through the book of Acts, as I teach through it, to see that growth and reaching people for Christ has always been important in the book of Acts. So, for example, you don't have to look back, but I just want to give you a few quick examples here. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Speaking of the early church, they were praising God, having favor with all the people. And listen, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's a sense of growth here. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, that's a lot, of both men and women. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Right On and on and on we get this sense in Scripture that when God is at work and the church is following the Lord and trusting the Lord, there ought to be some sort of growth. Right? We see the same thing now in Acts verse 11. Chapter 11. Pull up verse 21 for me, please. Acts chapter 11, verse 21. Look at what the verse says. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a what? Great number who believed turned to the Lord. And a lot of people are changing their hearts, they're changing their mind, they're trusting the Lord. Pull up verse 24. Acts chapter 11, verse 24. For he was a good man, says Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Right? We see the sense again of growth. Pull up verse 26. Paul and Barnabas have come down now and when he found him, when he found Saul, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught what? A great many people. There's this sense in Scripture. We see it all through the book of Acts and we see it all really through the New Testament that when the Lord is at work in a church, pull truth number one back up for me if you would please. When the Lord is at work in a church and the church is healthy, growth ought to be evident. We ought to see growth. Now, I want to distinguish this. I want to, I want to kind of make sure we're understanding that there's a difference here. There's kind of two areas of growth we see in this text. The first one is kind of numerical uh, salvations, right? A great number of people are being saved. great number are added to the Lord. And then the second kind of growth we see is spiritual. We'll, we'll talk about both of those as we kind of think about this Scripture together. I want you to understand, first of all, numerical growth. Because I think it's important. I think it's something we ought to be seeing. I think it's something that ought to be evident in a church that's healthy. People ought to be getting saved. People ought to be coming to the church. There ought to be some sense of numerical growth in the church. Now, I think that God has blessed our church tremendously over the last many years. I think God has done a great work at Rosemont. We, I, I said this a few months ago, but we led our association last year in baptisms. That's fantastic. That's nothing I'm doing. That's all the work of the Lord. But we see within this church that because God has blessed us and we're trusting Him, more and more people are coming. Our church is growing. We're having to expand. Those are good things. But there's also a danger with growth. I want to be careful we understand. Because it's very easy to go out and, and, and buy a book or go to a seminar or bring in a consultant that will help you get more people in. But just because there's more people doesn't mean it's healthy growth. right? We can generate a crowd by doing a lot of stuff. There's a lot of ways you can get a lot of people. We, we can dumb down the gospel. Uh, we can not talk about repentance. We can not talk about faith in Jesus Christ. I read an article this week along these lines. I'm not going to tell you who, you, who wrote it, but you would recognize the name. And I, I disagreed with the article. But, but a lot of what the article was talking about was, was the way we teach and the way we preach. And it was almost saying as if the Word of God is not as important as communicating and the things we say to our people. Right? We kind of need to set aside some of the truth of the Word of God. There are, there are churches that will say, listen, we're not going to talk about sin. Uh, we're not going to name the name Jesus. We're not going to talk about those things because it challenges people and it's divisive and it's offensive. And there's a lot of churches that grow that way. But I, I would just say to you as your pastor, and I'm going to get to this here in just a few minutes when we think about another one of the characteristics of a healthy church. But if I'm never not preaching the gospel, you need to hold me accountable for that. Period. I mean, you shouldn't let me off the hook for that. It's not my calling. It's not my responsibility to stand up here and give you my opinion. My responsibility is to teach the Word. And when our, when our Sunday school teachers and our, and our leaders and your pastor does that, we see growth. We see people coming to Christ. But the other danger sometimes is that we think growth in numbers is the only thing that really matters. It doesn't. 
It's important. We want to see it. We want to see people come to know the Lord and join our church. But the other area of growth we see here is in spiritual growth. Pull up verse 26, right? It's not just numerical growth. It's spiritual growth as well. Verse 26. For a whole year, this is Saul, who would you know, be later known as Paul, that wrote the vast majority of the New Testament, and Barnabas. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. Right? We, we see not only that there's numerical growth in the people, but there's spiritual growth as well. And so we ought to be asking ourselves a question. Listen, the, the Lord is blessing us here at Rosemont. A lot of growth, a lot of young families, a lot of children. People are coming to know the Lord. That's fantastic. We praise the Lord for that. But within your personal life, or within your personal walk, are you growing spiritually in Christ? Like you ought to challenge yourself on a regular basis to kind of examine your heart. Am I, am I different now than I was uh, six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? And, and am I growing in my prayer life? That would be a, a way you could kind of examine yourself. Am I growing in my prayer life? Am I serious about prayer? Am I spending time in prayer? Am I setting aside uh, hours or whatever during my week where I can just be alone with the Lord and praying, calling out to Him? Like, do I trust Him enough to answer my prayer? But I, I was sick a couple of weeks ago. I had the flu. I, I, I've mentioned that. I think I mentioned it last week. And I don't typically pray for my own health. I just, I just don't. I'm usually not very sick, and I don't, I don't have a lot of health issues. Praise God for that. So I don't usually pray for my health. But I tell you one thing. When I was laying in bed with the flu, I was doing some serious praying. Because I felt terrible. Like I had the, the flu headache. A couple of y'all have asked me, did you get the headache? I had it. Oh yeah. And it's bad. I've never had anything like it. I've never had a pain like that. And I cried out to the Lord in my bed. I just prayed hard. Lord, you've got to take this from me. Take this from me. Look, give, give me peace. And he did. He comforted me. And he took that headache away from me. Praise his name. But are we, are we praying? Are we growing in our prayer life? Are, are we growing in our time with the Lord in his word? Like in our study? Are, are you, like, here would be a challenge for you. When you take your Bible home from Sunday morning and you set it down on the coffee table or in your uh, desk or wherever you put it in your house, on your, on your kitchen table, do you pick it up again during the week except for next Sunday morning? Did you just kind of lay there all week or are you actually in it? Are you reading it? Are you studying it? Are you memorizing it? Are you, are you growing in your faith and understanding of God's Word? Are you growing in your service to the Lord? Like, are you giving of yourself? Time, energy, effort, finances. Are you serving the Lord in various areas of your life? Are you serving here? Are you serving outside of the walls of the church? We ought to be examining our hearts to see, is there spiritual growth within our lives? Because in a healthy church, growth is evident numerically and spiritually. Here's the second thing I want you to see out of this text this morning. Truth number two. In a healthy church, the grace of God is evident. In a healthy church... The grace of God is evident. Pull verse 20 up. We're going to look at a few verses here again to, to make this point. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. This report, or the report, came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So they sent Barnabas to Antioch, right? So Barnabas, you go, tell us what's going on. I want you to notice what Barnabas sees when he gets there. This is really important. When he came and saw the what? What did he see? The grace of God. He was glad. He exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Right? When Barnabas came to the church at Antioch, one of the things that he noticed visibly was the grace of God. 
Now this started with these men of Cyprus and Cyrene. It's interesting to me in verse 20 because the Bible doesn't give us their names. You know, in a, in a world where we seek glory for ourselves, in a world where we want to kind of make a name known for ourselves, the Bible doesn't tell us who these men were that started this first church. It just tells us men from this location. They came, they began to preach the word, and the hand of the Lord was upon them. Right? Because of these faithful men, because of the grace of God in their lives, God guided them, used them to plant this church, and great things happened because of them. You know, I, I talk a lot about the history of our church because I just think God has done just so many incredible things here. But I, I look back over the last 50 plus years now and I see so many people that have been faithful. I see so many people that, that have sacrificed, that have given. So many people that when you look at them, the grace of God is evident in their lives. And so I, just, I started thinking about this text and, and, and these verses and I started thinking about what, what would it look like if Barnabas were to walk into Rosemont? When he, when he walked into Antioch and he saw those people, and the Bible says he saw the grace of God, it was evident to him, what would that look like? Right? What does it look like when you see the grace of God? Well, it would mean he sees the people of the church, and he sees love and compassion and, and, and forgiveness. And I thought, you know, if he walked in Rosemont, would he say the grace of God is upon that church? Right, so let's take it a step farther. Right? Let's challenge ourselves a little bit. We want to display the grace of God in the walls of this building on Sunday morning, of course. But how often when we get outside the walls of the church are we displaying the love and the grace of God to the people around us? Like, like we're good about displaying the grace of God on Sunday morning. But tomorrow morning at work, are you going to display the grace of God? Like students, are we displaying the grace of God in our classrooms, teachers, business owners, workers? You guys that go off and, 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 and travel and do various things in different parts of the country, are you displaying the grace of God in your travels? Uh, you, you go to a football game, and, and it's not football season right now. We're in a lull, and we'll get there in a few months. But when you get to football season, if you go to a football stadium and you walk in the football stadium, it doesn't take you long to know people's allegiance, does it? Like You don't go to a Georgia football game or Alabama or Auburn and not know who people are cheering for. You just can see it, right? You, by the clothing they're wearing, the color pom-pom they're holding on to. Uh, I just had a bad... I was going to say, if they can speak good English, then they're not a certain fan. I don't, I'm not going to say that. You fill in the blank there. But we, we know when we get to a football game who people cheer for. It's pretty evident, right? We know their opinions and their thoughts. But how about when people see you walk into work tomorrow morning? Do they go, you know, that guy's just different. Now that lady's just different. She's, she's kind and, and she's respectful and she's just something. I don't know what it is about her, but she's just very different. Well, it's the grace of the Lord in your life. Lived out in a real way to the people around you. Right? When Barnabas saw that in the church of Antioch, he knew the difference. He could say to these people, listen, the grace of God is clear. It's evident. Are, are we displaying the grace of God in our lives? Because if we're going to call ourselves a healthy church, then people ought to walk in here and see the grace of God in our lives. Now we've got to continue. There's a couple more I want to show you. Here, truth number three. Based on this text. In a healthy church, there is solid biblical teaching. In a healthy church, there is solid biblical teaching. Look at verse 25 and 26 again. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now Saul is going to later be known as Paul, same guy. He writes the vast majority of the New Testament. Saul, Paul, and Barnabas 
are now going to, in verse 26, when they found him, they brought him to Anak, and for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, we hear about Paul and Barnabas teaching for a year, and in, in our kind of 21st century Western mindset, we think something like this. Well, I guess Paul taught a Sunday school class, or Paul taught a Deeper Roots class, or Paul had some sort of a discipleship class on Tuesday night at 8 or whatever. I would just tell you, our understanding of what they did teaching and what really happened are vastly different. Because I can promise you one thing. Paul and Barnabas were teaching every day, several hours a day, to as many people as could listen. Like we go overseas and we talk to these guys uh, about discipling and, and church planting and the work they're doing. And I ask these believers, I'll say to them, listen, you're discipling all these people. They'll name all the people they disciple. I'll say, what does that look like for you? Like, tell me what that's actually like to disciple somebody. And they'll say, well, uh, some of them work, some of them don't. But if they work, they say, listen, I go to work. I get off at a certain time. And as soon as I get off work, I go to the guy's house every night and we just study the Bible together and pray. I'm like, like every Tuesday night? No, 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 every night. Every night I'm in their house. For months and months and months until this guy that I'm discipling is able now to go and do the same thing with somebody else. That's, that's the model. And so, so Paul and Barnabas would, would have taught these people, they would have preached these people for a whole year the, the truth of God's Word. Solid, biblical teaching. So you should expect in a church, you should expect if the church is healthy, that all the way from the Sunday school teachers all the way up to the pastor ought to be preaching truth. And so I want to give you just for a second, I, I know we're getting close on time here, but I want to give you, I just want you to hear my heart just for a second, kind of understand what I do. But I, I hope you've noticed by now, if you spend any amount of time with us as a church, that, that one of the things I do is really preach through God's Word. Like it's, just, it's my personal conviction based on what I believe the Scripture teaches to use the model of what's called expository preaching. That's basically where you let the, 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 the text speak for itself. Like, so what is the Bible actually saying? That's why when we study in here, we're constantly looking back at the Bible and seeing what the Bible actually says. Right? You're not going to find me giving you one verse at the very beginning of the sermon and then never looking at it again. I don't think that's expository preaching. I don't think that's healthy for people. Because you've got to be able to take the truth that we're learning and tie it back to God's Word. You understand that? You've got to understand that the truth that we're looking at every single week is found in God's Word. It's not my opinion. It's not something I make up. That's why I'm, I'm very careful. Like when I give you these points out of the Scripture, I can always point to the verse. Like here's the verse. Here's why we're saying this is important. Biblical teaching is important because Paul and Barnabas taught biblically for a year at Antioch. That was important. And so when you go to a Sunday school class, uh, when you sit here on a Sunday morning and hear me preach, you ought to hear God's Word, right? The text should speak. One of the examples in Scriptures that we see this, and one of the reasons I think this is such a big deal, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We have it on the screen. I want to show it to you very quickly this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. I want you to listen to these words. I charge you. These are the words given to Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, right? I'm going to charge you to preach the word. Right? Not give your opinions, not make something up, not kind of dance around this truth and occasionally bring it up. Preach the word. This is, this is God's word. We should be teaching and preaching God's word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Going to verse 3. For the time is coming, I would say to you, I believe we live in this time now, by the way. 
But the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But they have itching ears and they will uh, accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Right? So in other words, they don't want to hear sound teaching. They want to surround themselves with teachers who are going to teach basically what they want to hear. Verse 4. <clears throat> and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So there's this, there's this challenge in Scripture of teaching God's Word, of preaching God's Word. So I would just say to you, uh, I mean, I hope you guys stay here forever unless the Lord sends you to do mission work, which in that case you got to go. But if you're here forever, I, I want you to be here and stay here. But if you ever leave for whatever reason, and you're saying, you know, we just we got to find another church, number one thing you better find is a pastor who teaches God's Word, period. I don't care where you go, whether you move or look, whatever. you need to find a church where the pastor is going to open up this book and teach you through this book God's Word. Because that's the only way, in my opinion, people can grow in their faith. That's the only way God is fully glorified. And then number four, I need to finish up with this. Number four, in a healthy church, there is steadfast purpose and vision. Right? Steadfast purpose and vision. So just, just to kind of prove my point here, I'm not just making that up. I'm not just saying to you that's Adam's opinion of what we ought to be doing. Let's look at God's Word and see if we can find that truth in this Word. Acts chapter 11, verse 23. Look what the Bible says. When he came, this is Barnabas, and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them. He challenged them. You need to keep doing this to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Right? That's what Barnabas says to the people of Antioch. You need to have, go back to the fourth truth, you need to have this steadfast purpose. You need to have this vision, right? You need to continually, it needs to be ongoing. You need to understand the vision. So the question becomes in, what should be the purpose? What should be the vision of the church? There's a lot of things the church does. Obviously, we could, we could list a whole uh, bunch of them here based on Scripture. But one of the challenges we see is found in the Great Commission. You're familiar with it. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Right? Our, our steadfast purpose and vision as a, church, as a church has to be to glorify the Lord by reaching the world for Christ. Like, if we ever have any sort of other vision or purpose, then we're missing the truth. Right, we have to understand this in, in light of the teaching of Scripture, the Acts 1-8 teaching. Right? Our purpose and vision should be to reach the people of LaGrange for Christ, to reach the people of West Central Georgia for Christ, to reach the people of the United States for Christ, eventually to reach the world for Christ. And so we do that. We send teams all over the world. We send teams all over LaGrange. We do great ministry out of this church building. Every day ministry is done in this community through Rosemont Baptist Church out of the walls of this building. So our steadfast purpose, our steadfast vision has to be to reach the world for Christ. Now, I, I, I want to kind of just wind up by just challenging you with these ideas. Right? Are we a healthy church? Are we doing the things we ought to do? I think we're doing a pretty good job of these things, but I think there's always room for improvement. What do you need to be doing differently? Like, How do you need to find things in your life that you can change to be a healthy believer? To, to trust the Lord, to, to follow Him in all things. Because I would just remind you very simply, we are the church. Right, we meet in a building and walls, and that's important, and we need that, but we are the church. And if we're really going to reach the world for Christ, if we're going to grow and change people's hearts and change people's lives, it's only going to happen as the people of God trust Him more and follow Him and obey Him in our lives. And when we do that, 
When we do that, God takes a group of ordinary people, just like us, and does extraordinary things through us for the sake of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. It's clear and understandable, Father, if we'll take the time to study it. It speaks truth to us, Father. It gives us direction and clarity and understanding, Father. You've given us this just real clear vision of what a healthy church in Antioch ought to look like, Father. I pray we'd model our lives based on your truth. Not our own opinions. Not pop culture. Not the internet. Not our neighbor's thoughts. But on your word, Lord. Help us to learn it, to understand it, to apply it to our lives. Help us to apply it to our church. And Father, I pray you do great things here. Use us for the sake of your kingdom. We love you and we serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. Opportunity for you to pray, speak to me, but it's a chance for you to respond as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.